What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Well, if you watch the other channel, the Malicious Compliance channel, I released a video last night. Uh, came out this morning for a few of you, uh, Sunday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. <laughs> this one's coming out Monday morning. It's all kinds of pandemonium here. Anyway, back from Florida, fresh beard trim, did it myself. Not too bad. I got a few strays here that I got to deal with, but uh, yeah, some of the women down there at the park uh, around the golf course were bugging me about trimming my beard and it did. It looked like crap, so... And then somebody on either this channel or the Malicious Compliance channel said something about, do you ever think about trimming it down and uh, doing the cheeks? And I do. If I do a real trim job like this one, uh, where the beard was like below camera level here, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll clean up the cheeks and get all that straight uh, for the most part. Never touch the mustache. My mustache is one of those weird wiry ones where it's either got to be real long like this to even be remotely manageable or it's got to be super short and i don't like the super short look with the beard so there we are more than you ever needed to know but anyway feels good to be back home in the studio because that laptop that i had on the last video really it just kind of stopped working well for me it never worked well but now it's even worse uh it just stutters and hangs up and just gives me an all-around hard time so we'll figure it out for the road later on but for now while i'm in the studio i'm going to make hay while the Oh, there's no sun. You get it. Sometimes it pays to be the old fart. I've been doing IT in one form or another for 40 years. I'm reminded of a story when I was an IT contractor in Iraq. This would have been around 2006 or so. I started out as a help desk tech in 2003, but by 2006 and 7, had moved into a network job due to some fortuitous circumstances. One day, one of the help desk guys came in and asked me to come over to their office as they had a problem they couldn't figure out. Got over there and they had a computer that they were rebuilding. The guy working on it said they had successfully loaded the OS, Windows, no less than four times, but every time they went to boot the system, it wouldn't boot up. They figured if anyone could tell them what was wrong, I could. I asked a few questions and got satisfactory answers, which told me they were doing mostly the right stuff, but obviously missing something. Then while looking at the front of the machine, I was like, wait a second. Wait a minute. Me, is that a SCSI drive? Tech. Yeah, why? Me. Did you load the SCSI drivers while you loaded the OK? Is that right? OK? Operating system? OS? I don't know. Tech. Well, crap. Me. Yup. You gotta do that or it isn't gonna work. The tech doing the work knew but had forgotten. A couple of them had no idea there was such a thing or a procedure. That's not too bad, OP. At least they uh, had some humility. They knew that they were beat. Couldn't figure out why they were beat. Called somebody for help. Didn't blame anybody else. Just wanted help figuring it out and uh owned up to it you know knowing that he forgot so i've only tried to play with scuzzy drives a couple times uh and i was setting up an old dell something blade server it was an old machine but uh yeah i didn't like the way that set up mostly because of my lack of education but yeah now i could really use a server but that dell oh optiplex that's what it was anyway uh these days yeah I couldn't afford a good server, so. Monkey Business, a tale from the IT trenches. As a contractor for a major company, I thought I had seen it all when it comes to technical troubleshooting. But that all changed when I found a live monkey hidden in a customer's desk cabinet. I had been sent to a remote office to fix a routine printer issue, 
and upon arrival I was greeted by a seemingly normal but a little strange lady who had the printer issue. But as I began my diagnostic checks, I heard a strange rustling and scratching coming from one of the cabinets in her desk. I checked to see if the lady was watching me and opened the cabinet to investigate, and was met with the shocking sight of a live monkey staring back at me. I was stunned. I quickly wrapped up what I was doing and reported it to the supervisor. After the supervisor and I went to confront her, the lady was defensive and insisted it was just a toy. But it wasn't helping her case that there was noise coming from her cabinet. After an investigation, it was confirmed that the lady had indeed been keeping an actual live, breathing monkey in her desk cabinet, and she was terminated from her job. As for the monkey, I have no idea what happened to it. Hopefully it went to a good home. It's just another reminder of how wild and unpredictable the world of IT can be. I've been trained to deal with all kinds of technical issues, but sometimes the issues I encounter are just plain weird and unexpected. But it's all in a day's work, and I'm just glad I could help resolve the situation even if it was a bit of a monkey business. I don't understand what possesses people. You know, there's all kinds of reasons that you may have a monkey as a pet. If it was injured and you're a foster, okay, great. But the workplace is not the place for that monkey to be. Sounds like she just wanted a cute little monkey, like kind of like people who want purse dogs, purse poodles, whatever. And uh, they put them in a little bag and carry them everywhere in their pocket of their coat. And it's like, yeah, no. That's humiliating even for a dog. Stop doing that. I mean, I have pets, but, you know, I didn't pluck them out of the wild and uh, stuff them in a drawer. Hmm. Hopefully the monkey got the better end of that deal later on. Printer battery failure. My dad had an 18-year-old color laser printer that had gained quite a bit of personality. He had given up on the color option but could still print black and white. He called me after he changed the toner because the printer kept jamming. I went over to take a look. I cleared the jams that kept occurring as I tested it. They were hitting right at the fuser. After a few such tests, my dad then said, I dropped a spare flashlight battery into it when I was changing the toner. Could that be the problem? Aha! But knowing my dad, I asked, were you able to get the battery out? Yeah, it's right here. Hmm, well that should be okay then. I resumed testing, pulling various major components out to check for obvious issues. Then, after one such test, we smelled burning. That was worrisome. I unplugged the printer. Since the fuser is the likeliest source of burning, I poked at it further and finally forced the rollers into a full rotation. I was being gentle before that. Out popped a small cylinder of soft foam with burn marks on it. Puzzled, I showed it to my dad and asked if he had knocked any rollers or other printer parts loose when he had replaced the toner. No, no, that's not from the printer. That's the thing I keep the spare flashlight battery in. The battery was in it when I dropped it. <laughs> With the thing removed, the printer no longer jammed or smelled of burning, but it no longer printed clearly across the entire page. There were gaps. Dad bought a new printer. I have people around the house and at work that do that constantly. They'll get a paper jam and snatch the paper out. And I tell them all the time, look at the sheet of paper that you pulled out. Is every bit of that paper there? If not, that means there's a little piece or a corner or something up inside that printer that needs to be cleared out. Or they'll be working with something like a paper clip or pulling staples and drop them into the printer somewhere. And then just get totally befuddled when the thing doesn't print anymore. Oh, people, what are you going to do? The CEO. Our story begins with an IT contractor. His company was responsible for the email system of a well-known UK business, which had just closed all its operations and moved them to Singapore shortly before declaring support for Brexit. This was a minor topic of discussion at the time. Most mainstream media unanimous in its support for this character and his views. 
Anyway, this happened not long before the CEO and founder of the client company fired all his British staff in favor of Thailand and Singapore. The CEO of this company, a very well-known person, was aghast that his out-of-office message was only sent once to each recipient. This CEO prided himself on his tech industry smarts and his ability as a negotiator. He liked to say he was always thinking far, far ahead, and he understood how things worked better than anyone else did. He called the support line and cursed his way up the chain until he reached our man, the main systems owner for the entire platform. Our man explained, or tried to, that it was working as intended and the reasons why it was working like this. But our man was just a small person, and anyone with vision would know all messages need a response. Mr. CEO, winner of multiple innovation awards, reached our CTO. Our CTO sent Mr. CEO a waiver to sign, which stated he was solely liable for any consequences, that he reads and understands the potential effects, which were listed. Our man protested, saying, this cannot be what he really wants. But the CTO said, and it's what he asked for, you'll learn in time that you can't say no to these people. They know best until they learn otherwise. What you can do is help them learn otherwise. Mr. CEO had, of course, won. This was his latest example of understanding better than everyone else. This was in late October. December 28th, Mr. CEO calls our CTO's emergency line at home, screaming down the phone. Why is the email broken? Why won't it sync? Why does he have 50,000 messages? Why can't he find any mail he was expecting from important people? Mr. CEO was a member of a very exclusive club of business leaders and politicians where the business leaders would agree which politician did what and for whom that year. The meetings where they would smoke 500-pound cigars and drink 200-pound shots of 30-year-old scotch. This group had a mailing list, a basic major domo-based service. What? Oh, well. It had been like that for years and years because business leaders generally do not have any technical ability whatsoever. Emails were sent to the major domo bot, which would replicate them to all members. In this way, membership was centrally managed and nobody got everyone else's email addresses. The exchange went a bit like this. Mr. Corporate Bigwig to Major Domo. Merry Christmas, all. Major Domo to all. Mr. Corporate Bigwig says, Merry Christmas, all. <laughs> Mr. CEO to Major Domo. Hey, thanks for your mail, but I'm out of the office right now. I'll respond when I get back. Major Domo to all. Mr. CEO says, hey, thanks for your mail, but I'm out of the office right now. I'll respond when I get back. Mr. CEO to Major Domo. Hey, thanks for your mail, but I'm out of the office right now. I'll respond when I get back. And on and on it goes. Major Domo to all. Mr. CEO says, hey, thanks for your mail, but I'm out of the office right now. I'll respond when I get back. This loop repeated and repeated until mailbox hit their capacity limit and or Mr. CEO was blacklisted. Mr. CEO was not the only one who had 50,000 emails pending. Many members of the UKIP party, half the Conservative Party, and an ex-Australian US media baron, Russian oligarchs, lots of business leaders and CEOs. Mr. CEO was the laughingstock of them all. And Mr. CEO would end us as a business and sue us out of existence. He went above our CTO to our CEO and founder who promised him a solution within the hour. That solution came in the form of a copy of the waiver Mr. CEO signed, which included... I understand I have been warned of the possibility of a mail loop, which may cause my own mailbox and the mailboxes of others to become unavailable, and I accept all responsibility for this eventuality. Also included was a bill for the damage he had done to our systems and reputation, as well as a quote for reversing Mr. CEO's damage to the best of our ability. The quote was punitively high, seven figures, which included, as a line item no less, one times agreement not to prosecute Mr. CEO for damages under the Computer Misuse Act. The quarter's results were unusually good. All details anonymized to protect the guilty. There's a reason we have CEOs. They have their place, 
and they're usually good at what they do. When they start stepping into realms that they had nothing to do with and start micromanaging, everything goes haywire. Basically, you need to manage your managers and let them run all the other crap. For you to step into certain lines of the business, I mean, that'd be like going down to a factory floor. You know how to run the company, do the numbers, and run the people, but <laughs> you don't know how to make the widget. So you go down there and start telling them how to change and make the widgets better, you're just going to have things up. So leave it alone. The tale of the missing hard drive. First post, so be gentle. Plus, I'm on mobile, so apologies for the editing. I'm not an IT. I work with large 3-meter by 2-meter printers. But as part of the job, I usually have to deal with customers' IT network storage issues, too. The usual IT connects to the printer, so it's your realm. Cue me, lovable printer tech, updating a customer who has a printer on a trampoline of a floor from their old Windows 7 32-bit spinning disks to Windows 10 64-bit on an SSD and upgraded RAM. The mechanical install goes as planned, dodging the exposed 240-volt plug and plugging in the SSD on a removable hot plug-type sledge. Push a button and it pops out. All standard kit we order from the factory. Used it loads of times. All is good. I booted the new Windows, sorted out the BIOS boot order, typical second hard drive install. I go about my other non-computer upgrades on site for the next day and a half. Then lo and behold, the other day we get panic tickets from the customer. The computer's down and hasn't worked for days. Blah, blah, blah. In the industry, that usually means they've been down an hour. I'm currently in another country, so I pass it on to my colleague who goes through some strange fault finding and is insistent on the RAM being the issue. Same with my manager and another colleague. I had only upgraded them from 4GB DDR3, 1600 to 16GB. I find it strange that this will cause an issue days after I've left, but I have to believe them as I'm not seeing it with my own eyes. The next day, I'm on a video call with the operator and ask them to turn on the PC. No SSD seen. It only sees the old hard disk drive. Strange. Unplug the SSD and replug. It comes up first time. Right. Issue found. The sled wasn't giving a good enough contact. Most likely it was shaking loose from their floor. I talked the operator through removing the PC front of the machine and plugging the SSD direct rather than through the sled. With a bit of double-sided tape, we got the SSD secure and working flawlessly. Two fingers up to my boss and a free print on the cards for me. Well, I've been in some shaky buildings before, but never one whose floor was f wobbly enough to like make computers go haywire and lose connections. But I did have one computer once where the hard drives were on sleds. Uh, they were both spinners. It wasn't, uh, there was no SSD for me because again, I'm cheap and broke. Anyway, they weren't making great contact either, so... I threw the sleds out, did pretty much the same thing. I used 3M uh, <laughs> Velcro stick-on stuff and uh, mounted them inside the case and the plugged in direct and everything was fine, but sometimes you got to be creative. Printing the wrong format. So this is not mine, but my coworker's story, who had to deal with it. Sorry for my English, as it's not my first language. We're both working in-house IT and normally don't deal that much with printers, but sometimes we get called because there are config problems caused by users or usage problems. He gets called the other day because the printer's printing in a weird format. The guy who's calling normally handles a lot himself when it comes to minor problems, but this time it seems to be a not so common one. My coworker gets to the printer and checks the format setting first and sees it set to D5. He checks every setting that could work and A4, the format it should be, is nowhere to be found. He checks everything on the printer and resets some settings, but nothing changes. At last, he opens the container where the blank paper is stored. He was not checking it before, as he had been given a page with the right format with the wrong print. 
He checks and sees there are two stacks of A4 paper and the slider that determines the format is set to D5. And you guessed it, after removing one stack and setting up the slider correctly, the printer worked again correctly. Oh, so basically D5, is it like 11 by 11? Like two stacks side by side and they slid the slider out all the way? I don't know. I don't know what D5 is and I'm not going to look it up right now, but... Anyway, yeah, that would be an issue. I remember working with a copy machine when I worked for the Board of Education where somebody was loading the paper trays in the front of the copier, big old Canon digital copier, and they were sliding the slider out of the way so they could get the paper all in there, which you really don't need to do. But anyway, and uh, they never pulled the slider back, and there was issues with making copies and printing stuff from that too. So, uh, yep, just like I tell my kids all the time, if you move it, Put it back. If you open it, close it. If you unlock it, lock it. Jeez, not that hard. All right, guys, while you're waiting for me to put out the next one, go ahead and watch this video right here. I think you're going to enjoy it. See ya.